This is the Epilog audio experience. Harik, when we talk about passion and running any business, what I've learned, I think it's very important to define the purpose. That what exactly is the purpose? Why you are doing what you are doing? <laughs> so when we look at that particular question, that look why you are doing what you are doing, that gives us a good insight on what we should really be focusing on. Today I'm in conversation with someone who spent over 35 years. That's right, 35 years with the iconic Aditya Birla Group. It is my real privilege to be speaking with my guest, Dr. Sunil Kulwal, the CEO at Indo Gulf Fertilizers, a leading agri-solutions provider. He's also been at the helm as a CEO at multiple multiple Aditya Birla Group companies such as Birla White, Aditya Birla Minerals, the chemicals division within Grassim Industries. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show sir. Thank you for doing this. Thank you Hardik, thank you so much and it's my privilege and pleasure to join and talk to you today. I believe this is the first podcast? Yes. Wonderful. So this is exactly what Jamsis is all about, bringing the most unique, most iconic voices on the show. And I'm really glad that I am in conversation with you. While uh, your successes are uh, public literature, we all know about them. We've read so much about it, but you've had a much simpler beginning as a management trainee. I'm taking you way, way back. Uh, I'm really curious to know what were your beginnings like? Uh, how were you uh, and, and what kept you on for so long? So Hadik, when I completed my uh, chartered accountancy, Uh, initially i wanted to start my own practice and i did uh, you know venture on that spent few months and what i realized very clearly at that point of time was that the intellectual property what is respected everywhere perhaps at that point of time did not have had that much of uh, you know respect mm-hmm. so when you file a return income tax return of someone and if you ask for fees uh which is you know commensurate commensurate with what you have actually put the hard work in mm-hmm. but they'll say sir it's going to cost me so much in fact you have spent only very little time on it hmm. and uh, i realized it's not my cup of tea so i decided to join an organization and it so happened that uh, i joined aditya birla group at that point of time as my first employer uh i was lucky to have great bosses so mm-hmm. my first boss was mr vinod sarav mm-hmm. and uh, i i must give all credit of my initial molding to him who taught me very simple but very powerful things which helped me a great deal i was also lucky to have you know uh, sub grodia as my mentor who was at that point of time number number 2 in the aditya group Mm-hmm. and uh, that gave me an opportunity to also you know closely work with mr birla as executive assistant so wow. it so happened that uh, mr birla wanted to have one more person in his office so mr bagrodia asked me one day that uh, sunil would you like to work for mr birla i said it will be great pleasure sir so he said okay so he sent me with a small yellow slip to the office of mr birla so mr birla called me in talked to me for Two minutes, and he said, "All right, your job with me starts now. So oh, sit down wow. and join me in this meeting." <laughs> so I think that was the fastest uh, ever interview I had <laughs> in my career. Two minutes of conversation, and I, you know, started working for Mr. Birla. 
so so i think i think i i was fortunate that i got all those initial breaks hmm. and uh, that helped me a great deal to you know uh, get myself moved to what i am today you know this is this is incredible there are so many things to unpack that out of cool while uh, one of is that i must talk about the impact of mr vinod sarao uh, in your life and what are the learnings you had from there but more importantly one of the things that has often struck me the most while understanding and and researching on your career is that uh, the the extended periods of time that you were able to stay in organization or stay with an organization rather is almost sort of unheard of in recent times at least with the gen y and the gen z's and that is a stark difference in the way uh, your generation has has led and built careers while i definitely want to also understand and unpack the learnings that you've had with mr birla please talk to me about the first uh, why is uh, mr vinod sarao has has been such an impact on you let me give an example hardik Hmm. So, Mr. Vinod Saraf, uh, he was a young man. Uh, I think in his early late twenties, perhaps, and he was the you know head of projects, and I was working for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever there is an issue, as a young man, I'll go to him and uh, tell Mr. Saraf that sir, here's a problem. What should I do? So, first time I went, and he said, uh, okay, go and do this. Second time again, I stuck with a problem. So, I again went to him. so he looked at me for few seconds i could realize something is not right but uh, as a young man i really did not uh, you know care too much about that so he still gave me some insights third time i went to him with a problem so he said sunit sit down so he asked me to sit and he took a piece of you know a paper and pen on his hand and he said all right tell me what the problem is so i said okay sir this is the problem the next question was can you subdivide this problem into you know different problems i said yes it has two components a and b then he said all right let's talk about a so what in your view are the possible solutions of this i said that's option 1 that's option 2 that's option 3 mm-hmm. and he said what's the pros and cons of different options so i you know i knew about all those so i explained those so he wrote whatever i was telling he was writing that then ne- next question was that all right now if you are to select one option for this part a of the problem which option you would select i said sir i'll select option second because that seems to be the best he said fantastic let's come to part b so again the same process 1 2 3 and then he said which option you would select i said perhaps you know the third option in this case so he said the solution is with you why when you get stuck with a problem you come to me running why don't you figure out that what are the possible solutions which solution is best suited and then if you want to you know get some feedback do come to me i'll be more than happy to help but don't run to your bosses to find a solution be your mm-hmm. own man you are capable you can find solution and he gave me a very simple way of you know looking at the problems which i still use uh, even i have spent more than 35 years since my that learning but i still often uses that and uh, that gives me you know complete insight of a problem making it uh, simple and finding the right solution so this is only one of the stories he is a man you know with great wisdom very intelligent man 
very very you know uh, not only capable but a great human being he would you know smile will listen will always give you a comfort and make you feel important and empowered and i think those are the learning which uh, you know uh, earned the respect what mr saraf has done today is the i think uh, chairman emirates of uh, vinati organics wow which is a very big company and uh, i have got very very high respect for him as my first boss and that's amazing when you when you shared from that perspective because um, you know we we often hear that people do not leave uh, companies they leave actually managers and their bosses um and and one of the key reasons at least to my limited perspective is that uh, when you have such incredible people to report into and and such great bosses i think the motivation to work to find solutions to give and deliver incredible results uh, becomes then more of an internal uh, drive rather than more of an external push am am i right when i say that uh, absolutely hardik you know so i i have seen and learned one thing that the you know once people start owning something then they put their best to get the best outcome mm-hmm. and that ownership comes from you know how how you get uh, you know dealt with how you are involved in uh, the decision making and those all become very important uh, you know aspect of finally getting that ownership which drives you and once you have that feeling then mm-hmm. you always go out of the way to see that look how do you really fix or how do you get the desired outcome that's lovely so ownership also comes and especially when you're starting off in in your in your career and and i'm also talking about let's say people change gears uh in in your midlife or whatever uh, and and you shift into a new company or into a new role or new sector altogether uh do you think this role of owning something this perspective of owning something actually transcends and is actually applicable all across i th- i think that's the most i would say easy as well as difficult task hadik let me you know share a story mhm my life was working with mr birla he went abroad i was helping him to look after our nagda fiber plant mhm so once he returned back uh, the plant you know was shut because there was no water and that's a mm-hmm. annual problem you know whenever the rains are delayed Mm-hmm. the nagda plant at that point of time used to get shut so when he returned back uh, you know he called me and asked sunil how are you i said uh, sir i'm okay you know the next question what he fired on me was that sunil how can you be okay when your nagda plant is shut it's not working it's not operating how can you even sleep wow mm-hmm. i wondered at that point of time that uh, how my sleep or non sleep is going to impact the operations of nagda fiber plant hmm that was my initial reaction but when i uh, you know uh, thought through that multiple point came from that conversation uh, hadi so first point was that look he was giving a very clear signal that sunil you need to own that plant because unless you own it you are only going to do a job of a you know a paper pusher which he uses used that term many times uh, in the past okay. you get some mm-hmm. paper and you pass it on to me but not contributing anything to the process that was the first point second point was that look yes it's a rain related problem but when you 
can't sleep because of that. What he really meant was that you need to think through in your subconscious mind what's a possible solution. Can something be done about it? And if yes, how do we find some solution whereby things can happen? So that particular incidence, uh, Adik, to cut it short, finally, you know, in few years' time, we could find a solution. Uh, two things what was done. One, of course, water conservation. How do we reduce the water consumption so that whatever water mm-hmm. is available, that lasts longer. And second, how do we store more water? So, you know, create more dam and storage, etc., etc., which was done. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I moved to chemical division, we had the same problem. And driving inspiration from that, that look, how can you sleep? At that point of time, we went to MP State Electricity Board mm-hmm. and requested them for a temporary power. There was no policy for temporary power at that point of time. So the managing director of State Electricity Distribution Company at Indore told that Sunit, there is no policy. And uh, I said, okay, sir, what's the way forward? He said, you can get a policy frame from the regulator. It's mm-hmm. sits in Bhopal. So I you know, rushed to Bhopal, talked to regulator. And I think it was for the first time uh, happened that in a matter of 15 days, we not only got policy framed, but based on that draft policy, which was uh, gadgeted out at that point of time, mm-hmm. the then chairman of MP State Electricity Board was kind enough to grant us a temporary power connection. And he put a rider in that, that look, if there are any changes which happens finally based on the public feedback, you will be commercially taking care of that and which we agreed. And uh, I think it's a, it's a great story when in 15 days time, not only you get a policy framed for something which is, you know, not there, Mm-hmm. And you also mm-hmm. get an outcome under that policy. And that all came, the lessons what I learned with Mr. Birla of, you know, owning things. I think these are the backbone of getting uh, great outcomes from the teams. Hmm. Hmm. You've, you've also then transitioned about nine years of, of working roughly um, as the executive assistant to Mr. Birla. Um, and that's a, that's a significantly long period of time working for such an illustrious leader. What are some of the things that have rubbed off on you that you still hold close to your heart? I think that was uh, one of the best period of my career when I had an opportunity to work with such a great personality who had tremendous impact on my, you know, uh, thought process, on my habits. And uh, I think I was very fortunate. I don't think anyone can have a better guru than uh, what I got. So, of course, one is sense of ownership, what I learned from him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also taught us that, look, while it is important to take a 50,000 feet view, but it is more important to also see the ground realities and remain grounded. So, the devil lies Mm -hmm. in detail. So, if you just take a 50,000 feet view and uh, don't get into the depth of things, the outcome will not be great. So, it's important to take a big view. But don't forget about small details because if you don't care about those small details, the outcome will not be there. So that's another thing what I learned from him, you know, a very important lesson. He always used to, you know, share his thought process, why he's doing what he's doing. Wow. I think that was a great uh, tool to groom people. You know, he'll hire people and uh, after that, test them, give them empowerment, groom them and... uh, 
they all will become you know he has created many great leaders in our group he said that uh, you know as people our job is to put our best efforts if things happen well the credit goes to the team and it's also a blessing of almighty hmm but if things do not turn out as per your expectation then we need to sit down and introspect that whatever we have done was that good enough what else we could have done what more we could have done could we have done something different and i think those were the incidences where he is talking about you know like gratitude that look we are doing but we should always be grateful to uh, almighty for giving us that opportunity hmm. it also talked hmm. about you know uh, perseverance that look things are not going to be easy things are going to be difficult but at the same time one need to keep on you know working and uh, seeing that look things get resolved so th- those were i think the great learning and uh, it reminded me of you know this poem don't quit from edgar gas ah it's it's an amazing poem it's an amazing, amazing poem absolutely so he says when things go wrong as they sometimes will when the road you are trudging seems all uphill when the funds are low but the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh when care is pressing you down a bit rest if you must but don't you quit so it's it's a very powerful poem and you know um, i always get lot of inspiration from the last part of this poem success is failure turned inside out the silver tint of the clouds of doubt you can never tell how close you are it may be near when it seems so far so stick to the fight when you are the hardest hit it's when things seems worst then you must not quit you must not quit keep working mm. i mean very powerful mm. poem i draw a lot of inspiration from edgar gas that's that's beautiful i mean i think in in the position that you are uh, with the kind of challenges that you face as well i i'm 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 definitely curious to know that with with all the things that you face and the challenges that you uh, you know uh, have have gone through what has kept you grounded now i understand you worked very closely with mr birla um, but but are there some grounding principles that you always circle back to something that keeps you centered i think let's go back to my you know uh, childhood how really i grew up and uh, you know what sort of value system was built mm-hmm. at that point of time by my you know grandmother with whom i spent a lot of time and my parents mm-hmm. and when i reflect back i think that was the time when uh, you know a lot of value system was built and that becomes you know my i would say a core strength so my grandmother you know always used to ensure that at certain time we must go out and play and at the same time when the time of study comes whether there are exams no exams if your school is on then you must spend some time you know on study hmm. so she taught us discipline she taught me you know the importance of commitment and also you know through simple things she taught me that look how you become accountable 
Great points. Great points there. I also want to change gears a little bit and 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 shift to talk about something that uh, while while researching about you, I realized that you are neither a chemical engineer, you're neither a miner, you're neither someone who comes from the agriculture space. You're a chartered accountant by training, as you mentioned at the outset. How is it that you are able to juggle multiple industries, and what is the mindset that you adopt? Because in 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 an age when we talk so much about passion and pursuing a calling and doing the one thing, or maybe multiple things, but in a, in a similar space, or maybe disconnected, but passion. being the key central word here um was passion something that was connecting you through these various roles that you were in because you know talking about construction with birla white and aditya birla minerals when you were in australia um with chemicals division with grasam industries very very disconnected from the outside but was there something of an internal driver for you to adapt what was your mindset like harik when we talk about passion and running any business what i've learned i think it's very important to define the purpose that what exactly is the purpose why you are doing what you are doing <laughs> so when we look at that particular question that look why you are doing what you are doing that gives us a good insight on what we should really be focusing on so let me give an example uh, you know when we talk about this fertilizer business when we uh, started discussing that question with our you know senior team so we got a lot of answers that look we must help the farmers we must sell our fertilizer we must do this we must earn money we should you know strive to reach up to this level but finally when we had brainstorming then we zeroed on a very simple stuff that purpose of our business is to make farmers prosperous through innovative solution hmm. hmm so two things whatever we do it must help the farmer because if farmer is happy and if he thinks that he or she is getting help from our organization then we are in the game and second to do so we must think of something different we must you know whatever farmer is already using and doing he is already doing that so how can we get the best of the solutions either from our own internal research or from anywhere in the world because he doesn't care from where he is getting the solution he cares who is giving him the solution so other solution hmm. Hmm. so when we when we fix that purpose then that becomes the you know a uh, focal driving principle for whatever we do and i have seen one thing that uh, you know when you help someone then the person who get help feels so happy mm-hmm. and that inspires the entire team in a big way let me share a story i was in uh, south india for some trials along with my agronomic team and at that point of time uh, we were interacting with a lady she just became curious to see us and she said what are you doing here in the local language and uh, you know our local person told that look we are doing some experiment where the chili yield is going to improve by about you know 15% and that's what we have done in the nearby farm mm-hmm. she said i'll also be very happy to use this product and uh, where can i buy that if you uh, if you have got that product i'm willing to buy it that simple conversation but when we look at the in the eyes of that uh, lady you know we could sense one innocence that you know she was talking so innocently second she had lot of hope that look some people who are not like us but seems to have come from somewhere else are there to help 
So, you know, there's a lot of hope in the eyes. And then you can also see that, look, the spark in her eye when she could think of a prospect of earning another 10 to 15% more money. It's not a huge sum for her. Hmm. If you look from our perspective, but when you look from her perspective, it's a huge sum because that 10% additional money can make a big difference to her. Because for right. her, that means a lot. Right. And when you see that sort of, you know, uh, interaction, and when your team is with you, the team feel happy that, look, they are really doing something right. which is going to help people who really require it. So once you define the purpose, then things become easy. Everyone can correlate to that. So that is one learning uh, Hardik I had. And the second thing, you know, moving through these multiple business, what I have seen is the business will be managed by experts of that business. Because okay. as, you very, as you very rightly stated, I don't have that expertise. But what I have also learned is once you empower right teams, once you define the purpose, once you define your expectations very clearly, the team goes out of the way and ensures that excellent results are delivered. And it's those, uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, efforts which help us to deliver fantastic results, be it in chemical division, be it at Aditya Birla Minerals Australia, be it at Birla White, or be it at Fertilizer Division. So it's all team. The team delivers the great uh, outcome. And... Uh, if there is something which is missing, I always try to take the blame on me that look, something we have not done and that's the reason we are not getting the right outcome. So what do we do? How do we drive team? And how do we get their focus back? Whereby the team puts their best effort and the best outcome is delivered. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So at, at the roles that you deal with Dr. Kulwal and, and the kind of people that you meet, as an outsider, I'm, I'm curious to understand, is there something called as work-life balance? Is that a possibility? Is that a myth? Or does, you know, a lot of success come at um, a heavy price? What are your thoughts on this? You know, the work-life balance is an important uh, aspect, uh, Hadik. And uh, I have tried to practice one very simple stuff. Leave work in office and leave home at home. So if you are in office, be 100% with office. Once you are back home, then unless something is really critical, uh, which requires your attention, then that has to be attended. But otherwise, leave your office in office. And uh, if one can practice that, then work-life balance will perhaps be much better. Rather than when you are in office, then you think, oh, at home, this is what I, I need to do. This is mm. what my wife told. This is what my kids told. And when you are back home, then you start worrying, oh, my God. This is what I need to do in office. This is what is pending. So, so if you can have that cutoff, that helps a great deal to have a better work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So then, the, I mean, especially when we're talking about in times of COVID, when, you know, the work-life lines got completely blurred and we were all working from home. Um, do you think that, that that logic was still applicable? Little bit less, for sure. But uh, I think the COVID, uh, with all its bad things, also taught us many things. Uh, which in future perhaps are going to become normal. Earlier there was a myth, not not a myth rather, it, it was a reality that look, you can only work from office. Mm -hmm. 
But COVID told us that, look, you don't need to be in office to work. You can work even mm-hmm. from home because technology today facilitates it. It uh, gave us less pollution. We could see clear skies, which uh, earlier was very rare. And uh, after COVID, we could see skies pretty clear. So work-life balance during COVID was a little bit of challenge, no doubt about that. But hmm. then I have seen one thing, Hadik, that look, if there is a problem, solutions come. One, you know, people can figure out and they will figure out. Interesting. So so at, at any point in time, you do not feel that um, through your journey, uh, you've had to compromise anything. You were, you were able to like, um, able to maintain this balance of work and life. Because I'm, I'm guessing with my limited understanding that uh, the role that you were in as, as a CEO uh, would require a lot of you in terms of your emotional and, and intellectual uh, resources. Uh, but it's not always possible for you to be around people, your near and dear ones. Was that ever the case or were you able to then juggle that, uh, you know, comfortably well for yourself? At CEO, one has to just see that, look, are the deliverables defined very clearly? Are the deliverables delegated to the right people? Whether the teams are working on it? Do they need some support? Do they require some expert help or something? And overall things are happening in the right manner or not? I think if that gets done and there is a proper delegation, then the load on the you know senior people will be much less. Compared to if you want to do everything at your own and want to manage everything at your own, then certainly the things will become very, very challenging, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. So it's all about finding the right balance between what one need to do himself or herself and what one need to delegate, up to what extent one need to involve himself or herself, up to what extent you know people can depend on teams. And that's where you know all these empowerment delegation, defining deliverables, your purpose, everything becomes relevant and collectively all these things will give the outcome what you finally get. It's almost, uh, uh, you know, you make it sound so easy and so uh, comfortable um, to transition into into a role which demands that kind of deliverable clarity, purpose clarity and of that nature. But when you further scale it and let's say when you were working with Mr. Birla directly, how did you sort of foresee these things that you're talking about delegation and interesting? Was it, was it scaled similarly at that level? Was he also hands-on accessible to people? Was he relaxed? Was he not flustered with such a big group to manage? Like, like what was his leadership you style? Know, at like? his level, when you look from his perspective, he, he was to manage so many things, but at the very same time, he, he clearly knew what things he need to focus himself what he needs to drive himself and what he needs to, uh, you know, delegate and expect people to deliver. So those choices becomes extremely important, Hardy. Everyone have got 24 hours, you know, by no stretch of imagination, anyone can get more than 24 hours in a day. All right. So you can work maybe rather than working for eight hours, you can mm. work for 10 hours, 12 hours mm. at the most. Maybe if you are very hardworking like our Honorable Prime Minister, you can work for 16 hours a day or 18 hours a day. You can't go beyond that. But what choices you make Hmm. to use your time, Hmm. I think that will define what pressure you are in and uh, how much work you have to do. So there's no ambiguity that one has to work very hard. That's for sure. But at the same time, it becomes extremely important 
that look one need to uh, delegate and empower teams without that there's no way one can manage things beyond a point so mr birla you know i i i uh, recall he's one of the interesting quotes. interesting so are him, you uh, i'm talking about mr aditya birla someone asked him that mr birla yeah. what do you think about management is it a science or an art so he gave a very you know a uh, very interesting answer and i think very relevant answer he said at the starting level of management it's complete science but as you move up in hierarchy mm-hmm. it becomes less and less of science and more and more of an art and at the top level it's 100% arts there's no science in it i think it's a very powerful uh, way he has so simply explained that look at higher level it's not a science it's just an art and the art is how do you really you know motivate your people to deliver their best of your dreams so do you think that these larger purposes are generally more um how should i put this is it more humanistic in nature do they have more human values like if i you know remove uh, let's say an organization's goal might be to reach um a billion dollars in revenue versus let's say you know improving lives of your patient uh, in in some form capacity like is there a human angle to to purpose or is there a numbers angle or analytical angle to that as well purpose has to be related to a human angle you know we we all uh, live in society and every individual uh, expect that his or her demands or expectations are met by someone so when we look at any you know a uh, purpose of you know good organizations hardik it's all about making good to the society hmm. today we are talking about green energy is it cheaper it's not today it's it's costlier than the normal energy why people are putting billions and millions of dollar on that because they believe that's something which is going to help the society in long run and something which is going to help the society in long run you know which is again related to a bigger cause people really behind it people you know uh, are going to be paying more for it very willingly so if someone says that this is going to cost you more but this has got this particular thing there are a lot of people will be willing to spend more money mm-hmm. because they can correlate that look this is something you know which meets with their own criteria mm-hmm. of doing things mm-hmm. so the purpose always has to be larger than the number game it has to be a social cause because that's where people will be able to correlate i think that's an incredible point uh, because i'm i'm just trying to think about the various organizations that exist um and the kind of vision mission statements they have uh, the kind of purpose driven statements they have and and there is certainly a recurring theme uh, it's whether it's about connecting people bringing top quality healthcare changing lives of people through through the work that they do i think there is now that i think about it there is never a numbers angle to this there is never a even even a financial organization financial behemoths uh, conglomerates talk about how it would impact the lives of people who work with them who become their clients so i think i think there is a deep resonance with the point that you're talking about you know at aditya birla group we are you know we are talking about big in your life and that fundamentally means that we are there to help you in your life in a big way so we are not talking about numbers game here we are talking about look how we are going to help people uh in whatever they want to do be it uh, financial services be it insurance be it 
telecom be it fabric be it, mm-hmm. you know driving cars so whatever we do ultimately it need to help the people it, it it must meet some demand of person in the best possible manner the numbers will follow but if you change numbers then there is going to be a challenge absolutely and 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 you know on on the same end as well that the organizations are in a constant growth mode and especially when you talk about these massive large groups um the kind of ones we're talking about is is the birla house um how is it that they look at growth what is the mindset at that scale um and and because i ask you this since you work closely with the likes of mr kumar mangalam birla you worked with mr aditya birla as well um what is it that what is their mindset about pursuing new opportunities because the world is their oyster for them they can do whatever they want um but yet they pick and choose their battles they pick and choose the kind of sectors that they want to i'm very curious to know how is it that they choose what business to foray into when we look at aditya birla group we have stated a very clear vision that whatever businesses we are in we should be among the top 3 players in the regions where we operate hmm the objective is when you are one of the top 3 players then you have a greater influence how you can help people in a better manner so that guiding principle you know decides that all right what businesses are good where we can be one two three uh, in the areas where we operate it has to be you know future focus it must need some latent demand of people whereby we can help people like when we talk about cement so we help people to build uh, great houses for them when we talk about carbon black where we are you know the world's largest player so one of the top 3 players and we should be meeting demand in a very nice manner of particular you know certain segments so it it has to be future focused So, do you then consider any competitive advantages that uh, an organization might have, or do you look at moats that the organization is able to bring? Because when you when you start off with that vision that we've got to be top three, uh, that is obviously a very daring and a very compelling vision to work towards, and a very competitive vision. Uh, but but then is the back end such that okay, we have a competitive advantage here in this city, this country, uh, at a certain policy, and that. also becomes one of the reasons to become an investable business or a business worth exploring so when you talk about competitive advantage hardik you know uh, every business need to figure it out that how can he have competitive advantage in a business where you operate so the competitive advantage can come either from your technology it can come from you know type of resources which are important to that particular business mm mm-hmm. it can come with having a great connect with your customers it can be uh, you know like uh, multiple things what you do together synchronized with each other and that can give you competitive advantage so in a business to be successful it is important that other than scale you also have got some competitive advantage and whatever may be the origin of that competitive advantage it should be something you know which the competition should find it difficult to replicate it mm. i think that becomes extremely important for a business to be successful for long and second thing what we have also seen that uh, you know you need, one need to continuously innovate one need to continuously look at things that how things can be done 
better how things can be you know uh, done cheaper how we can create some new technologies how can we approach some new consumers or new markets those are very important things because if you don't do that then the legacy is not going to last for long wonderful wonderful on on another note since you are obviously busy with so many things that that occupy um your mind um is there any time that you get to unwind and if you do then what are your ways to unpack through the day two things of course you know one is family which is extremely important so we need to spend a lot of quality time with family which i do mm-hmm. and i think another biggest uh, thing what i've seen is you know books are your best your best friend mm. they can teach you a lot of things so whenever i get time i do read uh, books and uh, you know few books uh, which have really created a lasting impression on my thought process uh, include a book by darren ekmoglu and james robinson why nations fail mm-hmm. and you know they have scanned through i think last more than 500 years of history and they have come out with a very simple conclusion that look a nation is not great or good or bad because of climate or geography or culture but a nation is great because the institutions and ecosystems what they create that defines a nation Hmm. and that is something you know which can be very simply extended to an organization as well an organization is not great because of the product or other stuff what they have created but it is great because the ecosystems what they built over years and and that's you know and how they keep on churning it from time to time that defines an organization so you know this is one book another book which impressed me a lot was uh, strategy rules by professor yofi and uh, kusumano mm-hmm. and uh, these people have you know uh, looked at the careers of bill gates steve jobs and any grew and uh, gave reasons you know why why these uh, people created great organizations what really helped them so that again is a very powerful book so s- some books you know create a lasting impression on you and these are the few books you know which which at uh, this i loved a lot this is lovely i think i'm definitely exchanging some notes with you post our conversation um uh, because there are so many books that i um, have have read and it has made an incredible impact on me as well and i'm a sucker for great books so i'm going to also probably steal some of your recommendations and purchase them but dr kulwal it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and unpacking your journey and thank you so much for being on jamsters no i appreciate hardik and uh, same here it's a uh, I, i think uh, i had great conversation with you and uh, i always get a lot of inspiration from you know this robot force stopping by woods where he says the woods are lovely dark and deep hmm but i have promises to keep and miles to go before i sleep absolutely and miles to go before i sleep so a lot of work a lot of opportunities and uh, i think one need to remain focused and keep doing things so greatly appreciate hardik your time Thank you so much for that parting note. If you enjoyed this episode of Jamsters, please make sure you subscribe to Epilog Media and all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Jio Seven, Gaana, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, among many others, for upcoming episodes. 
you know i love listening from each one of you so please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues and please make sure to drop a comment on apple podcasts if you're listening there and also if you're listening on eplog media they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too your support is my fuel you can connect with me on instagram @hardikdivedya or on linkedin too catch you on the other episode